Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. And so I I began a message Sunday. I don't know if it was called keys to walking into this year or taking ground by faith. Either one would be a good message. So you can write either one of those down. Keys to walking into this year. These are things that you need to hook into walking into 2023. Or you could do this taking ground by faith. Hallelujah. Who's believing to take ground in 2023? If you're believing to take ground, if you're done playing games, if you've decided that 2023 will not be like 2022, you're in the right place tonight. Is that, is that anybody? Have you decided 2023, just go ahead and say that. Say 2023 will be more glorious than 2022. You know, because the Bible says that the glory of the latter reign is, is always more than the former. The Bible says that the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter and brighter till the full light of day. Say brighter and brighter. So the the picture of that in the Bible, if you've never heard this before, it's like a sunrise. You know, you see the sun peek over the, the horizon, and what happens? It just gets brighter and brighter and brighter until about noon. It's, in the, it's at the highest spot of the entire day. And it says that that is how the way of the righteous is. Amen. Not ups and downs, not twists and turns, not mountain high and then valley low. Brighter and brighter. Strength and strength. Glory to glory. Say, I'm going up this year in Jesus' name. Taking ground by faith. Taking ground by faith. Hallelujah. I'm going to teach you. I began to talk about this, but I'm going to tell you the main difference Between Christians, or I should say people that do nothing for God, and people that do great things for God. This is the difference. I'm gonna does anybody want to be used by God in this room? Would anybody say that I desire to be used by God in my generation? I desire, I'm I'm not, you know what, if somebody just wants to live a nice little life and and maybe pay their bills and eat okay and then live and die and and die and, and no one even felt that you were here, then this may not be the message for you. But if you have it in your heart, I want to do something great. And not just something great in the world, something great for the Lord. I believe that I am on this earth for such a time as this. I'm gonna tell you the simple key that I believe keeps People from in a perpetual place of never going anywhere and doing anything to those that are shaking the world and have shaken the world and done tremendous things for the Lord. If this year will pass by and nothing changes unless you apply this. You know, I'm going to teach you practical keys. I want to go over this because so many people, they're just waiting on God. You know, they'll spend their whole year waiting for God to do this and waiting for God to do that. And and guys, I'm going to tell you, I've seen those people. I've talked to them. They were waiting for God in 2020, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. 
Every little, all the Christians, all the prayer, we're just waiting for God to show up in 2020, right? And then 2020 comes and goes, and I guess he didn't show up. Now we're just waiting for God to show up in 2021. 2021 comes and goes. Nothing happens. We're just waiting for God to show up in 2022. 2022 comes and goes, and nothing happens. And the same people will say, I'm just waiting for God to show up. Show up in my life. Show up in this country. I'm going to tell you something. We're not waiting for God to show up in this country. I really believe that God is waiting for the church to show up in this country. Come on, say a better amen than that. I believe that God, everybody's still this red wave. I don't even understand that. You know, at this point, maybe a couple years ago, but at this point, the whole Republican, the whole Democrat thing, it's like both of, both of them are liars, Right? We can't, we can't just put our trust in a political party. If you put your trust in a political party, you are guaranteed to be disappointed. So we're waiting for God. Well, there has to be this president. There has to be that president. There has to be this leader, this ruler. Guys, I'm going to tell you, God does not need a favorable person in the White House to move in this country. Hallelujah. The early church, if you even look at this historically... When the early church was birthed, it was birthed in an upper room with 120 people. And in a few short years, like less than 100 years, it literally flipped the Roman Empire on its head. And and the Roman Empire became a Christian civilization. Hallelujah. And that wasn't with the best friend at the top as a best friend that was the Caesar. They were killing Christians, burning them alive, crucifying them, persecuting them. But guys, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The devil's worst nightmare is a Christian who gets a hold of what I'm going to talk about tonight. So I'll lay a foundation. If you missed, I'll kind of catch you up quickly. The key text is Exodus 14, 15 through 16. Exodus 14, 15 through 16. Anybody else notice while you're fasting, your mouth is just dry? I don't want to be up here like, if you do this, listen, I love you. But mouth smackers, I don't don't know. I can't do the mouth smacking thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go talking to someone and it's just like, how are you? I'm really good today. And you're like... (laughs) You got a piece of bubble gum in there somewhere? Like, what's going on? My mom told me this story. <laughs> How she met this lady that was always smacking real bad when she talked. And she was just like, man, that's the nicest lady I've ever met in my life. But she's so hard to talk to, just smacking all the time. And then the lady came out. At, it was like at a Christian event. It was like, came up and was like, I actually have this, she told like a testimony, I have this medical condition that makes my mouth really dry and makes me have foul breath, and I'm sitting there just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. Anyways. (laughs) Exodus 14, 15 through 16. Then Moses said to God, I'm sorry, then the Lord said to Moses, So give you a little bit of context, Moses just led the Israelites out of Egypt, and now he led them down this little cavern, they're backed up against the sea, the Red Sea, they were led by the Lord, by a pillar of fire during the night, by a cloud by the day, and the Lord led them right up against the Red Sea. And so now there's approximately 2 million Israelites 
backed up against this Red Sea, and here comes Pharaoh's army. And so they're seeing this army come closer and closer, and they turn around, and they have nowhere to go. And so Moses, he begins to cry out to God. He begins to pray to God. And I'm going to tell you something. This is so applicable to believers today, but look at this. So Moses is crying out to God, Lord, please help me. Lord, please move. Lord, please do something. Has anybody ever done that? Have you ever found yourself wishing God would do something? Come on, raise your hand. Has anybody in here ever wished that God would do something? Has anybody in here been like, Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And I'm going to tell you that most of the time people... They're just wishing and wanting God to do something. But look what God actually says to Moses. See, he's crying out, Lord, help me. Look what God says. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Okay, I'm going to show you how this applies. God had already given Moses the staff, right? The staff was the, the provision, the staff. He gave him this staff, and he told him, if you read the book of Exodus, go and do miracles. When you use the staff, he, he showed Moses he could throw the staff down, and it would turn into a serpent, and then he could take it back up. And then he told him, he told him to, to hit the ground with his staff, and then it became a locust. And then he put his staff in the, in the, red, in the Nile River, and it, it, it turned all the water into blood. God had already given Moses his staff. And so God responds to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Say, get moving. Get moving. This is something that's just in my spirit for 2023. You know, I believe the Bible says not only that Jesus Christ came, John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. How many of you would agree with that? Jesus Christ came to this earth one time. The Bible tells us that. But the same Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is returning again very soon. In fact, the great evangelist who studies eschatology, Tim Shuttlesworth, says, I believe that the Lord is returning so soon that I don't even buy green bananas anymore. That's what this man says. He says, if you look at the signs, if you look at all the prophetic events that must happen before the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's saying we're right here. And I'm going to tell you guys, we're right there. You know, you see, you hear talk, red heifers being born. You guys hear about that? The red heifers being born in Texas. You understand the significance of the red heifer being born? That in order for a temple to be purified under the Levitical law, that there had to be a, a red heifer that met all of the Levitical requirements and specifications. And they would take that red heifer, burn it, well, they would take its blood and then burn it and take the ashes and they would use the blood, use the ashes to purify the temple. Without it, a temple could not be sanctified for use. Well, here's the crazy thing about it. The Bible prophesied thousands of years ago that the temple in Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. That happened in 70 A.D. That happened a long, long time ago. But the Bible not only prophesied that the temple would be destroyed, it actually prophesied that in the last days that there would be another temple uh, erected in Jerusalem. And that, in fact, this person known as the Antichrist would actually go and, and set up a sacrilegious object in the Holy of Holies, do all of this stuff that's, that was prophesied thousands of years ago. Well, here's the main problem. For the last 
If you were to ask this a hundred years ago, you're like, wait, the Bible says that the, the Antichrist will make Jerusalem his capital. The Antichrist will go and take over the temple that's in Jerusalem. Here's the problem, folks. Israel is occupied and governed by another nation. So they don't even have the right to be their own capital city. So first, Israel has to become a sovereign nation. What happened in 1948 in, our, in some of your lifetimes? Became a sovereign nation. Then what needs to happen? Now, Jerusalem needs to be restored back as the capital. Donald Trump did that in 2016. Amen. Now, they literally have temple pieces prefabricated, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. They have the Levitical priesthood on standby, ready. The minute that that temple gets rebuilt and a little land dispute is settled, they can go right back in and start practicing the Levitical Jewish law. And so in order for this temple to even be in process, they needed these red heifers. And for the first time in 2,000 years, for the first time since Jesus Christ himself walked on this earth, the red heifers have been born that, that meet the qualifications to purify a new temple that's being constructed as we speak. Do you understand the signs and times were so close Many great Bible scholars that have given their life to this tell you they don't even buy green bananas anymore because it's, we're so close. And the reason I'm telling you that is because not only do I want you saved and do I want you ready, God has an assignment for you, and I want to get this in you. You don't have time to waste. In 2023, you don't have time to waste. In 2023, you better put Netflix on the back burner. You better put Facebook on the back burner. You better put all these little plans and this little life of luxury on the back burner. And you better run with the purpose of God and run with the call of God. You know that the Bible says that not only will we give an account. People think that we all get the same thing in heaven, right? You don't. People think that we're going to be floating around in a white cloud in heaven, playing harps with wings, just flapping around. That's not what, how the Bible describes heaven. In fact, the Bible says that each person, every believer will actually bring their work before the Lord and that it will be purified, it will be tested by fire. And everything that wasn't of eternal value will be burnt away and only that which was of eternal value will be left, and that will be that person's reward for all of eternity. He, how many believers do you think are doing anything of eternal value? I'm going to tell you something. You can't take your house to heaven with you. We're not Egyptians. Right? We don't get buried with our cats and our dogs and our cars and all of our cash and gold. And, you, know, you can't take your bank account with you. You can't take your car with you. There's only one thing that you can take with you. You know what it is? Souls. People. That's it. That will be your reward. Not only how did you win souls, but what did you do to come behind the winning of souls? What did you do with your talent? What did you do with your money? What did you do with your silver gold, with your time, with your energy? What did you do for souls? And there's going to be many Christians that did nothing for souls. There will be many Christians that stand before God and say, I lived a lifetime in professed Christianity and never brought one other person to the Lord. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. I can't tell you if you're saved or not saved, but that is not how the Bible defines a Christian. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach these new disciples to obey everything that has been commanded of you. You have to give. This is the problem. You know why most Christians can't get disciples, make disciples? Because they won't let themselves be discipled. Especially in America, we have this anti-church, anti-pastor, and just total bull poop. I'll be nice today. Miss Sarah's always calling me out on my broadcast. That's not a nice word, she'll text me. I'm sorry. People won't let themselves be discipled. You have to become a disciple. You have to be trained up in the ways of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. That's going to cost you something. There has to be a time in your life where you forsake all to follow Jesus Christ. You've got to forsake it all. You've got to retrain your thing, your, your mind, your thinking. I lived my whole life this one way, but now I'm born again. And Jesus said that I must deny my wife, my husband, my children, my friends, my family, my brothers, my sister, even my own life. I must deny my own personal interests. I must take up my cross and I must follow him. And in fact, if I'm not willing to do that, I, am, I cannot be a disciple. According to the words of Jesus Christ, I am not fit for the kingdom of heaven. He said a man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. You have to be, get discipled. You have to get the word of God in you. I'll, I'll share an interesting scripture with you. This is an interesting one. Y'all doing okay tonight? I may need another bottle of water. Look what Apostle Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. I'll read it to the NLT, then I'll read it to you in, in the Amplified. Apostle Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Give you guys a second to put that on the screen. You guys give me a second to take a drink of water. Hey, at least I don't have one of the Backstreet Boy mics on. Have you ever heard someone drink water that wears one of those things? You're like, right in the mic. It's not pleasant. I had to give you a demonstration if you've, never, if you've never experienced that. Look what Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Now you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now I'm going to put it in the Amplified. Look what it says in the Amplified. 2 Timothy 2.2 2, Amplified. Teach these things. What things? It says the doctrines. I'll, I'll give you guys a second to put it up. I want you to see this. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 in the Amplified. Huh? Okay. Teach these things. What things? These doctrines, precepts, admonitions, and the sum of my ministry. So Paul's saying, teach my doctrines, teach my precepts, teach my admonitions, teach the sum of my ministry, which you have heard me teach in the presence of many witnesses, and entrust them as a treasure to reliable and faithful men 
who will be capable and qualified to teach others. Say reliable and capable. You know what Paul was really telling Timothy? Don't waste your time with people that aren't interested. They didn't have this style of Christianity. Hey, I'll pay your rent if you come to church, you know. Then you come and then get your rent paid and never come back again. Not that anybody's opposed to helping somebody, but you guys know what I'm talking about. It's a mindset. He didn't just say, go and stand on the street corner and beg and plead and try to get people to like you. He said, take this as a treasure and teach it to people who are faithful and who are reliable. Teach it to spend your time, Timothy, with people that are hungry for the Lord. Spend your time, Timothy, with people that are thirsty, people that are serious, that it doesn't matter if they've sinned. I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter how much you think that you've sinned and messed up. The Lord will take anybody. I don't care if you're like, I've missed it every single day for the last 40 years of my entire life. If you're hungry and you're thirsty and you're serious about God, he will take you. He'll forgive you. He'll lift you up out of a pit. He'll set your feet on a rock to stand. He'll wash you of your sins. He'll bless you. He'll use you. He'll multiply you. But he has no time for a person that is disinterested in him. Which obviously I'm talking to the right people because you came to church on Wednesday night. So you're interested in God. But you must be discipled, trained up. Take these things, these doctrines, precepts, admonitions, the sum of my ministry. You have to be trained up in the Lord that way. And then go and, and make other disciples of the nations. God has called you to make disciples. Let me ask you, how many disciples are you making right now? How many disciples are you making? You know, the Apostle Paul, I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, and he actually said, and if you're a new Christian in here, I'm not, I'm not directing this at you, okay? But Apostle Paul said, some of you have, heard, have been in this for so long, you ought to be teaching other people by now. Say, being a teacher. God's will is for me to be a teacher. In fact, he instructed the older women. This is just one example. If you're an older woman in this room, I'm not pushing anything against you. But Paul said the older women should actually train up the younger women inside the body of Christ to teach them how to serve their households well, how to respect and serve their families and their husbands. Say, be a teacher. You know, that's what I don't, I, I, I just don't get this. And I'm telling you, we're going to force biblical Christianity into Angelina County. I love what I've heard about uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. If you've not heard of him, this was said of Dr. Rodney, it's true. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown has forced African Christianity into America. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you actually go to Dr. Rodney's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this next week. I've been there several times a year for the last several years. They have a huge pavilion. They, they have a crusade, a crusade-style setup outside of their church. A huge covered pavilion that can fit like 10,000 people in it. And the huge stage and astroturf grass. And I mean, whenever you see the camera shots of that place, it looks like you're in a very modern, like, African crusade. It's amazing in America. But not only that... Not only do they have that pavilion, 
It's this their style of ministry. You can go in those services sometimes and they're four hours, five hours, six hours long. You know, it, we, we, you don't cater to this idea. You don't cater to people that don't want the Lord. Are you guys with me? You know, anybody is welcome to come into the house of God. As I said, he's willing that none should perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. But we cannot cater to people's disinterest. I'll tell you the type of church that we're building right here. We're building an on-fire church in Angelina County. Hallelujah. We're not building a church full of Christians that we start service at 1030 and by 1215 they're sitting there looking at the clock. Oh my gosh, the Dallas Cowboys got to play. We're not doing that. We're building a church full of on-fire, soul-winning Christians who when they get to heaven, you're not going to be bankrupt. Are you with me? The only thing that you can take to heaven is souls. So I do want to ask you this question. Who are you discipling right now? Right now. If you're not discipling anyone right now, then you better start taking discipleship very seriously. Because a person who is fully discipled will begin to win souls. A person that is fully discipled will begin to make other disciples. So if you say, you know what, I'm not winning souls. You know what, I've been in this for years and I, can't, I couldn't count on two hands the number of people that I've personally led to Jesus. Or people that I'm raising up right now underneath me that I'm, I'm mentoring, I'm shepherding. I want to tell you, you better just get rid of every other distraction and you need to be praying with us. You need to be fasting with us. You need to be plugging into what we're doing and you need to take this serious saying, Lord, I need you to change me. I need you to transform me. I need you to get this word in me and I need you to send me to work. Hallelujah. Because the time is short. We don't have time to wait around. The time is short. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Moses said, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Say, get moving. That's what the Spirit of God says to you tonight. You need to get moving. We've got to go so far beyond in the American church. We are just slamming our heads against the wall. If you go to any pastoral seminar, you read the modern pastoral books, it's just slamming your head against the wall of trying to convince Christians to come to church. We've got to get, guys, that needs to be like down here. Like a duh. Turn to your neighbor and say duh. People think that the climax of their Christianity is just simply showing up to a service. And then the whole time they're sitting there thinking about the, oh man, the lasagna or this or that. And they're looking at the clock. I literally have people, when they know I'm getting close to being done, they'll go sit on the back row and just be tapping their foot, waiting for me to dismiss so they can run out the door. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Hallelujah. Get moving. Get moving. Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the waters so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. The great theologian Finnis Dake says, stop praying and do something. 
This, I told you, I'm going to tell you the difference between believers that accomplish much for God and those that will spend their whole life and then stand before Jesus Christ and have done nothing for God. And it's this one simple thought. Take what's in your hand and get moving. Stop praying, stop crying, and take what God has given you and get moving. Say, get moving. Hallelujah. Get moving. I want you to understand this. I'll go ahead and develop this thought a little bit more. What has God put in your hand? What has he put in my hand? How does this apply to us? God gave us all things in Christ. You need to get this. 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. God gave us all things in Christ. Say all things. I don't, this scripture has been revolutionary for me this year. And I'll tell you why. Let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. For Christ Jesus, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. Say, God does not waver between yes and no. Guys, I'm telling you, I, 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 my heart breaks for some Christians that are ignorant. And then my heart gets angry for other Christians that are ignorant, but they're just being stupid. God does not waver between yes and no. You hear people, I've heard people, I've literally heard pastors one pastor that I really, really honor and respect, I'm not going to say his name, I remember talking to him, and he told me one of his church members got cancer. And he said that when he went to pray, he went to pray for his church member, and he started saying, praying, oh, Lord, touch him, oh, Lord, heal him. And he told me, he said, the Holy Ghost told me, no, no. And then he looked at the man, and, and they came into agreement. The Lord has said no in regards to your healing. So, you know what? Just prepare yourself and give glory to God and you're going to die. And let's just accept the fate. I'm serious. And people think that they're being ultra, uber spiritual and the ultra Christian by saying goofy, stupid stuff like that. God does not waver between yes and no. That means that if he said yes in his word, he has not changed his mind today. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll give you an example of healing. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did Jesus heal every person that came to him in faith? Every time he did. Every single time, whether they were crippled, whether they were blind, whether they were epileptic, whether they were paralyzed, whether they had leprosy, whether it was a woman with the issue of blood, it didn't matter. He healed them all. He healed them all, I said. Let's look at that. Matthew 8, 17. Pastor John, why do you preach on healing all the time? I don't know. Maybe because a little plague pandemic hit the earth that had a 99.8% survival rate and the whole church folded like a lawn chair. So maybe it's time that we get some revelation of what the word of God has to say about these subjects. It says, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. And he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. And he healed, what does it say? Matthew 8, this is Matthew 8, 16. He healed all. Say all. 
He healed all. See that word? Look at the last line on the screen. He healed how many of the sick? All the sick. Say all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said he took our sicknesses. He removed our diseases. So if Jesus healed all the sick then... And he doesn't waver between yes and no. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should change his mind. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How can we come up with an idea that he said yes to all of these people 2,000 years ago, but now he's saying no to people today? It's not in the Bible. Do you understand now? Listen, put that in some context of, hey, why are you crying out to me? Take what's in your hand and get moving. He does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. That one line right there, if you'll let it, it will, that can be the foundation of a wonderful life spent serving the Lord. I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I get in this word, and I see what God has said and what he has promised of me. I can spend my whole life achieving the unachievable, possessing the impossible, and doing great things for God because I'll have the confidence moving forward every day of my life that God will never fail me. He will always do what he says. If he made a covenant, if he made a promise, he will always uphold his side of the bargain. That's powerful. You know how many times that revelation right there has kept this church launching forward and forward and forward? I can tell you there was times, man, I, I think I've told you this. I've been doing broadcasts and prayer so much, it's all crossing over, but there was times where the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Obviously, we use wisdom, but even what we do financially, we don't just do based off of human wisdom. We do what the Lord tells us to do. We step out in faith, even if it doesn't make sense in the natural, and God always comes behind his word every time. You know, when we first started this church, the very first couple of, of months that we started, we started this church in January of 2020. Let me just tell you, do you guys remember what happened in 2020, right? In the natural, that's not a very good time in the natural to start a church. Are you with me? And so March rolls around. We never shut down services. And we decided we're not only going to have church, we're going to hit the devil hard and we're going to hit him where it hurts. So we brought in evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth and we had a big meeting. And I remember, you know, we're a brand new church we, we had to rent like a, and I don't know how much it was, $5,000 at least sound, sound system, all this stuff. It just, it didn't make sense in the natural. It didn't make sense in the natural. And that's how we've operated every time. We don't just go by what's in the bank account. We follow the voice of the Holy Ghost. If God said to do it, then we walk in faith according to his word. If God said to give it, we give it. Amen. If God said to do it, we do it. 
And so in that, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk on the word of God, not by based off of what we see. There are so many times, I remember when the Lord gave me the revelation, we decided, you know what, we're done. We're not just sending our kids to summer camp. Man, we're going to get them, we're gonna, they're going to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. You can't just take them to some denominational church camp. So I said, we're going to fly our kids to Tampa, Florida. That was the same year that the Lord told me, stop doing fundraisers. Never do another fundraiser for the youth, right? Everybody knows how it goes in, in youth, youth ministry. You got to do bake sales. You got to do donut stuff. You got to do car washes. And you need to raise money if you want to go anywhere and do anything. The Lord told me, he said, never do that again. I, he said, the, David said, I was once young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. He said, what kind of witness do you think that is to the world when you're standing there at a gas station Asking for money from people of the world so that you can send your kids to youth camp. That's not a very good representation of El Shaddai, is it? That's not a very good representation of the God of abundant provision. It's not. It's not a very good representation of the blessing of Abraham, is it? Because didn't he say that you would be the lenders, never the borrowers? And so the Lord told me, I remember it was going to be like $7,000 you know, to send the kids. And it just didn't make sense, right? $7,000 may seem like nothing if you have a hundred grand or whatever in the bank, but if you have 11,000 or something and, and God's telling you to do something that costs seven and you still got mouths to feed and bills to pay and lights to keep on, let me tell you something, that doesn't make sense in the natural, does it? Say no. That's not a very good, natural, sensical thing to do, but the Lord said to do it. I remember while we were on that trip, I would, you know, we would get a rental car, and I remember going up to the gas station several times like, all right, Lord, I'm swiping this card in faith that there's still money in that account to put gas in this van. I'm not telling you have to live in that place, but I am telling you, there's a time of the testing of your faith. You, there will be a time where what you see is opposite of what God has said about you. Are you guys listening to me? Why is it that I started believing and then all of a sudden now it seems like everything that could, everything that couldn't, everything seems to contradict what this word says. It's a testing of your faith. The enemy is actually coming to you saying, did God really say that about you? And you know how you counter that? It is written. It is written. It is written. And I'm going to tell you, I'm so thankful that during that time we had faith in our hearts that we weren't walking around. Well, guys, how many of you know we're really going through a hard time and we could really use some help and we could really use you to step up? But no, we got up here week after week, even during that time, and said, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never fail you. He's the God of abundant provision. He'll meet all of your needs. In fact, he'll not only give you what you need, he'll give you more than enough, overflowing. My cup overflows with blessing. He'll fill your storehouses with grain and your cups will overflow with new wine. We would preach that, preaching it in faith. And I remember I would make declarations. He said, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 28, if you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God and do, it, do it, what I say, the Lord said, 
I'll bless you in your coming. I'll bless you in your going. I'll bless your, your cities. I'll bless your country. I'll bless your fruit board and baskets. I'll bless you. I'll fill your storehouses with grain. Didn't he say that? I would stand on that word in those times and say, Lord, thank you that you've blessed us. And I would decree it. It is impossible for our bank account to run out in Jesus' name according to the word of God. Say, it is impossible. How can I say that it is impossible? Because we're convinced that God always does what he promises. If God will make certain that his word is true and everything that he said in this word is true, I can be confident that if I have done what he said, I will have what he said in Jesus' name. That's what faith is. Can you say amen? All of God's promises have been. Look at this. So he says, he does not, he always does what he says for all of God's promises. Say all. Have been. Have been. Have been. Say have been. What's the word have? Does that mean past, present, or future? Past. The word have is past tense. I know that you've heard me preach this, guys, but I'm telling you, if we're getting it, why, why, aren't, why aren't we seeing multiple things blow up? Why aren't we seeing multiple things? I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. But if you'll get a hold of this, I'm telling you, you will run. You will get moving in 2023. This is the key to your future, what I'm telling you right now in this very moment. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All of them. Say all of them. Every promise that he made to Abraham. Right now we have, he made to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 28. And because they were descendants of Abraham, he made that covenant. I'm honoring the covenant that I've made with your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible says in Galatians 3, we are the true children of Abraham. We are the heirs of the promise. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 that we have been grafted into the same root. And now we share the promise of blessing that God's people, that was given to God's people. What was the promise of blessing? Jehovah Rapha. The Lord that heals you. El Shaddai, the God of, of abundant provision. Jehovah Jireh. Name this place Jehovah Jireh for the Lord will provide. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my victory. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. That means that when Jesus shed his blood, he a, a, a covenant was made between God and man, and it was made by the blood, the perfect, spotless, pure blood of Jesus brought us into a covenant. And in that covenant, God has sworn every promise that I've given unto man, I have given you as a perk. I have given you as a benefit. I have given you. It is in this covenant that I've brought you into through the blood of Jesus. All of God's promises have been fulfilled. That's past tense. That means we're not waiting on God. Listen to me. If this is true, that means we're not waiting on God to do anything. I really believe that there's many Christians that spend their whole time waiting on God. 
And he is saying, like, right, think about healing. Is healing a covenant promise? It is. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. I mentioned Jehovah Rapha. He said, today, if you obey my commands, I'll bless your food and water. I'll take sickness out of your midst, for I am Jehovah Rapha. Covenant promise. How many Christians spend their whole life saying, Lord, please help me. Lord, please heal me. When it comes to sickness in their body, when it comes to weakness, man, I don't know. I've been praying about it. I've been sick and I've been praying about it. And you know what God's in heaven saying? He's saying the same thing that he said to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? Take what's in your hand and get moving. Take the, I've already done it for you. If it's healing, I've done it for you. If it's prosperity, I've done it for you. I've already blessed you. Lord, please help me and bless me. What are you talking about? I've already blessed you. Take what's in your hand and use it. Put it to work. Begin to weaponize it. Begin to speak it. Begin to dream it. Begin to live it. Begin to walk it. And you shall possess it. Stop waiting on God. You're not waiting on God. Do you understand? Say, I'm not waiting on God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take up. What is the rod? It is the word. Moses' rod, it's equivalent to us. It's his word. He's already given us his word. Thank you, Jesus. That's why you need to read this word. Man, you need to get this word in your heart. I'm telling you what. This is not some religious little checklist that we have to go, well, I just really have a hard time reading my word. You are acting like a fool. Because the Bible says that the wise seek after wisdom like it's honey, like it's hidden treasure. David said, as a deer pants for water, Lord, so my soul pants for you, longs for you, thirsts for you. I want you, Lord. When I begin to grab a hold of these things in my life and watch, I was a Christian. Not only was I a Christian, I was out of Bible college. And I was in the ministry for a couple of years. And like struggle, eh, do a little bit. Eh, I got some good fruit. James, he was one of my first, first youth kids. So praise God, there's some fruit. But I watched what, what happened so fast. When I got a hold of these things and realized I wasn't waiting on God, that I could possess any promise in this book by using my faith because he had already done it for me. In one year, in one year, I saw God give us a church. In one year, I saw God give us a ministry. In one year, I saw God do what would have, the pace I was going would have taken me the next 15 or 20 years to accomplish, maybe. I watched God do it in one year. And I'm telling you the God honest truth, you are not waiting on God. You can take the word and get moving on the word. That will change your life. And then it'll put a hunger. The Bible says it's for a lack of knowledge people perish. Do you know why people die sick? Do you know why Christians die sick? Is it because the Lord has not healed them? No, it's not. Ultimately, it's, I'm going to tell you, it's for a lack of knowledge. They don't know what Jesus has done for them. A lot of people only know about the God, kind of, 
Really, nowadays, you listen to most preaching and teaching, maybe not in Texas, and it really paints the picture. You have pastors going on Oprah Winfrey and her asking questions like, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll all end up in the same place. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the shepherd. There is, you can't be a Muslim and go to heaven. You can't be a Buddhist and go to heaven. You can't be an atheist and go to heaven. I'll tell you a secret. You can't be a half-hearted, lethargic, lukewarm Christian and make heaven, in my opinion. Didn't he say? If you're, I would rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. There's only one type of Christian, in my opinion, that enters into heaven. And there's only one type of Christian that does anything for God on the earth, and it's the Christian that's red hot and on fire. If you're not red hot and on fire, I'm telling you, take this as a wake-up call and get serious with God. Wage war. Make those things that hold you back from God an enemy. I just don't feel like it. Yeah, that's called your flesh. And the Bible says that the flesh is hostile towards God. And that by the power of the Spirit, you must put to death the deeds of the flesh. You are not to be led by your feelings and your emotions. I'm not having a good day. Why? Well, it's just because I feel like it. Why are you saying that? I, you should be confessing the word of God. I have the joy of the Lord. I, I don't really feel happy. Well, maybe stop saying that. <laughs> Why don't you start saying the Lord has given me joy. He's anointed me with the oil of joy. He has put the garment of praise on me. Hallelujah. He has given me peace. He's given me strength. He's given, man, I'm just feeling really tired. Really? Those who trust in the Lord shall find new strength. Even the young will will grow weak. But it says those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. What if you started claiming strength? Well, the Bible says it's a promise. I can have strength. I'm going to claim it in Jesus' name. I'm not weak, I'm strong in Jesus' name. Well, I'm just feeling really discouraged. Why are you? Didn't God tell Joshua, do not be discouraged? You know, God, he, yeah, he's a comforter. He is a comforter. But guys, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that's, that's an excuse to walk around in wimpy, lethargic, whiny little flesh. I think that he's a comforter because when you're radical for Jesus, he's going to put you in uncomfortable situations. I think that when Paul was standing before Caesar preaching the gospel, probably in his flesh that wasn't super comfortable to do. When you go to Walmart and go win a soul and you start talking to the cashier across the, t- the, the desk from you, in your flesh it's not going to be comfortable. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, the comforter will give you strength. He'll give you boldness. He'll be your comforter. That's not an excuse to walk around. Well, I'm just feeling discouraged. Look at Joshua chapter 1. I know people are like, this is the worst pastor I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm not telling you anything that I don't tell myself. 
I'm giving you guys the Carissa pep talk right now. When I get sick, I, I mean, I don't get sick, but I'm saying, well, like, say I got symptoms on my body. Come on me. I'll start, oh, you know, sometimes, which really, I'm telling you, you want to feel good? Fast. I'm telling you the God honest truth. People are like, oh, my, I can't believe you've been fasting that long. And I'm like looking at most people, I'm like, I feel better than you do. I promise you. Taco Bell for the ninth time this week. Ugh. Diarrhea. I'm like, yeah, I feel a lot better than you. I promise you that. <laughs> Carissa will tell me, get up, use your faith. What'd you say? Yeah, that's Carissa's pep talk. Use your faith. Use your faith. Hallelujah. Have you found Joshua chapter 1 yet? I haven't. There we go. Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one, verse 6, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. He goes on to say, be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Say, I should be careful to obey the word. Be careful. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then, say then. Guys, I'm going to tell you, the, like, this is just a side note, but the, the lie the devil tries to feed this generation is that you should take this word lightly. You should take sin lightly. It really doesn't matter. Well, if I just don't really feel like it, or I don't agree, I just won't do what this says. Most Christians are sitting there shaking their head like, yep, I can't believe it. But then really Sunday rolls around and you're not here and you're gone. And well, doesn't the Bible say don't forsake assembling together? Hmm, you know, well, that's interesting. Sorry, am I being too real? I don't feel like it. Tell your feelings to go to hell where they belong. <laughs> I love the quote from the great Smith Wigglesworth. They would ask him, Brother Smith, how are you? He says, I don't know. I don't ask Smith how he is. I tell him how he is. This was a man that raised the dead multiple times. This was a man that slapped a baby against the wall and brought it back to life. I'm serious. This was a man that people would come up with cancer in their stomach. And you think that he would be like praying? He'd look at them and boom, hit them right in the stomach. They'd fall on the ground. And, and people would literally be like, you killed him, you killed him. And he's like, he'd just go and keep praying? No, I didn't. And about five minutes later, they'd hop up off the ground, vomit the cancer out of their mouth, and go running around the room completely healed. This is the type of man that, you know, when he would pray for someone. Kenneth E. Hagin was the same way. Anybody know Kenneth E. Hagin? He was the same way. You pray once and then you believe. And then you just thank God. I don't have to keep asking for something again and again and again. I release the word and then I stand in faith. And then every time I have a thought about that subject, I just thank God for it. Thank you, Lord. He would pray. He said that his daughter had a cyst on her face. And that one time he prayed for her at Tuesday. Let's say Tuesday at 7 o'clock at night. He would lay hands on her and, and say, you said in your word 
Mark eleven twenty four. I can pray for anything, and if I believe that I have received it, not I'm going to receive it, I believe what I say. I believe I speak to this thing, and the moment that I speak it, it's done, it's settled, it, that's it. So he, he spoke to his daughter's growth on her face, cursed it in Jesus' name. The next morning, he got, you know, his daughter got up. He was sitting there eating breakfast, reading the newspaper. He didn't even turn the newspaper down to look at her face. Really, you know why? Because in his opinion, that's unbelief. Why do I need to look at her face? I know that it's cursed because I cursed it. The, the growth was still there. And the next day, didn't even look at it, didn't ask it. Did, oh, well, let us pray again. No, we did what he said so that it's done. It's settled. The third day rolls around, same thing. I think by the fourth day, his daughter got up, and the growth was supernaturally disappeared from her face. Her face was baby smooth. Smith Wigglesworth was the same way. If he prayed for you one night for healing, he didn't care what it looked like in the natural. I released the word of God. I did what he said to do in the word, and now I believe that God is true. I believe his word is true. We did it, so therefore it's done, period. If you came back the second night and asked for prayer for the same thing, he'd look at you and say, weren't you in the prayer line last night for that? Yes, I was. Get back in your seat. That's unbelief. Why don't you show up for the next couple of nights and get some faith in you, and then when you're ready to really walk in faith, then we'll do this thing. That's the type of faith, that's the type of Christianity that shook this world. And that's the type of Christianity that the devil doesn't want pastors teaching people. Well, if you start talking like that, they'll leave. You start talking like that, it'll turn people off. Or you start talking like that, and we see revival in the United States of America. Say... I don't ask how I am. I tell myself how I am. So he goes on to say, then you will be successful in everything that you do. Success comes from obeying the word of God. Guys, I'm telling you, it's, and when you start to taste of the blessing of God, I mean, man, I, I already know. I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. And I know where the Lord's taken us. I know what the Lord's going to do. And I, I'm telling you, there's no, I'm not looking for another woman. I'm not looking to go cheat on my wife. I'm not looking to go get caught up in drugs. I'm not looking to go fall into sin. Because I understand that, man, the anointing, not only the presence of God, the anointing, but the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. I've tasted and seen what God has done, and I'm like, Lord, this is so much better than anything the devil even thought about offering me. Oh, my gosh, the devil made me think sin was good and it was appealing, but the whole time my life was horrible and nothing but a revolving door of misery. But look at the blessing of God. Lord, look where you've allowed us to go. Look where you've allowed us to do. Look what your blessing has brought into our life. Look, I'm telling you. Success comes from obeying the word. You need to get radical about obeying the word of God. Radical. Say radical. Say if God said it, I'm not going to ask myself how I feel about it. I'm going to simply do what he said. Regardless 
of how I feel about it. So he says, you'll be successful in everything that you do. And he reiterates himself, study this book of instruction continually. 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 The Bible says that those that delight in the law of the Lord, day and night. Say every day. Say twice a day. That's God's marching orders. That's God's standard of the day. Every day I must seat my life in this word. But you, most Christians, I just don't understand. If you ask most Christians, if, if you were to go into a church, hopefully not this church in Jesus' name. But then, you know, I send out devotional content. I try to do everything I can to feed the sheep, and you still got people. I'm just going to exit that. and it, It's like you've got to get hungry for the word of God. You know what I mean? you got to get hungry. Like Evangelist Jonathan or, or Dr. Rodney, they could text me if they wanted to every day, all day long, and you won't catch me complaining about it. Study this book of instruction continually and meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then... Will you prosper and succeed in all that you do? Say, only then. So can you halfway obey the word of God and prosper? Is that what he said? No, you need to study it. You need to meditate on it. You need to get it in your heart. You need to get it in your mouth. You need to get it in front of your eyes. You need to sit yourself in the word of God. Isn't that what Jesus said in John chapter 15? Abide in me and what? I'll abide in you. But we're running around trying to water everything down and we're trying to fill our churches full of Christians, teaching them, actually, you can run as far away from God as you want and he'll still bless you, amen? He'll still love you, amen? There's no mountain that he won't chase after you coming. Guys, I'm gonna tell you, God's done chasing after people. God gave everything when he gave Jesus. He opened the highway to heaven wide open and said, whosoever comes through my son, whosoever makes that decision, I will give you eternal life. But he's not chasing after people. I know you may think, well, that just, that really messes with some people's theology, but he's not. He's done everything he's going to do. You know, the Bible says that he sat down at the right, he He sacrificed himself, and then it says he sat down at the right hand of God. What does that mean to sat down? That means he's done. It is finished. I've done it all. I've fulfilled it all. I have fulfilled the word of God. I've opened up the highway. Now, it's our job. That's the thing. It's not God's job to go chasing people around. It's the Christian's job to preach the gospel to their city. To draw on the hearts of men that they would choose to follow Christ. And when they make that decision, there's a wide open highway for them to walk down. That Jesus paved the way. Are y'all with me? Meditate on it every day so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Say my command. So my suggestion Nope, my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. 
I know that was a long rabbit trail to get to this point. But Lord, I'm discouraged. I feel discouraged. Why are you discouraged? Lord understands how discouraged I'm feeling. No, he doesn't. I command you, do not be discouraged, Joshua. I've anointed you. I've given you the rod, Moses. I've given you the the word, believer. I've given you the covenant. Why are you discouraged? Because if you believe, which what? It takes faith to please God. Without faith, you can't even please God. If you believe, how can you be discouraged when every day you wake up and your feet hit the ground and you understand nothing's impossible for you who's in covenant with the Most High God? When your feet hit the ground, And you may say, man, I'm in a horrible condition. I can't pay my bills. But if you get faith and understand what the Lord's done for you, you see very clearly, oh my gosh, where I'm at today is not where I have to be tomorrow. It's impossible to be discouraged when you fill yourself up and confess the word of God over your life. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I've had people come in, you know, and the devil, he tries to come in the form of a concerned friend. I had a church member come in several years ago on a Sunday. Pastor, don't be discouraged. And I told her, I'm not discouraged. Look around. There's empty chairs. Don't be discouraged. I'm not, in, I'm not discouraged. Why? Because the Lord commanded me that I can't be. Period. What do you do when you feel discouraged? Tell the feelings to go to hell and get in the word of God. Amen. You start to believe we can reach this city in Jesus' name. We can have revival in Jesus' name. We will have a church of a thousand in Jesus' name. We will see a Holy Ghost movement take place in East Texas in Jesus' name. We we will see signs, wonders, and miracles rekindled in the heart of Texas again in Jesus' name. Come on, it's impossible to be discouraged when you believe the promises of God. Nothing, Mark 9, 23, nothing is impossible for the one that believes. I told you guys this Sunday, but I looked. I was in San Antonio this last December on vacation, and I was standing on this balcony, and I was looking at these buildings. Beautiful, beautiful city downtown. And I looked, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you know, a man built, you know how these, like, you know how these buildings got there? A man built these buildings. Not one man built them all, but forever you see hundreds of buildings and all it took was one man to build that building. And a man built every single one of these buildings. And I just got this revelation and I was like, Lord, look what a man can do. And not even a a spirit-filled man, not even a man that's in covenant with God. Look what a carnal man can do. He can build a building like this. If a carnal man without the Spirit of God could do this, and nothing's impossible for me that believes, I just all of a sudden got it. There's not one of these buildings that I couldn't build. There's not one thing that we couldn't accomplish. There's not one place we can't reach. There's not one thing we can't do. I, I know it's simple, but faith rose in my heart. Hallelujah. And then you, start, you stop thinking stupid stuff. Well, let's be realistic, you know. If we can get to about 75, we're doing real good. Are you serious? That's such unbelieving. Unbelieving. That's unbelief. 
I told y'all this Sunday. Are y'all okay? I'm about to dismiss you. Y'all okay? Where is this? Oh, it's way down here. I told you this Sunday. When you have small vision, you are actually in unbelief. Most Christians say they're believing, but what they're believing for is so small that it's actually insulting to God. Listen, and I'm not trying to mock an infant, someone that's trying to use their faith. I understand that. But, guys, I'm telling you, people, they're, so, they're believing God for something so small in their life. And it's just like, how can you read that nothing is impossible for you? And then that's what you do with that reality. Woo, I jumped that high. Wow, I did something. Wow, that is so... I can jump one foot off the ground. It's like, are you serious? That's all that you think you can do with that. You can pray for anything. If you believe that you receive it, you'll have it. The Lord began to really just convict me with that one thought. He said, a lot of times you think you're using your faith, but what you're believing for is so limiting to me that you're actually believing in unbelief. You think you're in faith, but you're in unbelief. Why don't you believe me for more, John? You know why you don't? Because in, in the root of it is because you don't think that I could do more. And what is that? Unbelief. Say no small vision. Say no small vision. No small vision. Hallelujah. 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 I pray that... Just some of these things, this just gets in you, that you get ready to get moving in 2023. Man, I pray that you'll begin to grab a hold of the word of God and begin to violently take the kingdom by force. You're not waiting on God. Amen. If you're not waiting on God and nothing is impossible for you if you'll use your faith, if you're willing to go the distance, God will take you there. But a lot of people aren't willing to go. There's people right now that if the Lord were to open a door for them, they would not walk through that door. Do you know why? Because it would take faith to go through that door. The Lord would put something in your heart. The Holy Ghost would begin to lead you. But then you would stop and say, I can't afford that. Oh, Lord, you know. You may be trying to get me to do this or get me to do that, but, I, you know, so I got a family member that doesn't like what I'm doing, so I can't do that. You wouldn't even walk through the door that the Lord opened if he opened it for you. Say, big vision, big vision. in 2023. Hallelujah. Guys, I'm telling you, the God honest truth, I don't care who it offends. If people will grab a hold of this, you will see multi-millionaires begin to rise up out of this church left and right. Pop, pop, popping up. I just, I'm telling you, th these things, it's so easy. It's like, so, how, many, how many people, I, when I got this, this year, for example, I wrote my first book this year, and I have another book already ready to come out. I'm planning on writing two books in 2023. 
How many Christians would sit around their whole life and think, well, one day I sure would like to write a book, amen? Why one day? Why one day? One day I sure would like to open up this or this business or a studio. Or why one day? Why one day? Are you with me? When I got a hold of this, that wait, God's given me all things, and I didn't get to this point tonight, but it's actually up to you how far you run with it. It's not up to God. I can multiply what he's given me as far and as fast as I want to. When I got a hold of that revelation, I realized, wait, I'm not waiting on God for me to write a book. If I'll sit my butt down at the computer and type and put the work in and pick up the phone call, pick up the phone and call an editor, call a publisher, start doing my due diligence, and then believe God for the money that I need to get it published, I could have a book out this year. I don't even have to wait on God. I can do it this year. This is what it means to stop waiting and to take what's in your hand and put it to work and get moving. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.